Welcome back, lady listeners. Welcome back. Welcome back to another week at Read Me Romance. We have one Scott deal by Lucy Eden. We are super excited to have her with us this week. We She's got lots of good stuff to talk about. Lots, lots to discuss. Let's get into a few things first, though. Let's catch up, shall we? Let's do right. it. It was daylight savings time this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I just want a blanket statement this, Okay. If you tell me it's going to be dark when I wake up, it's going to be dark at four o'clock in the afternoon, but I get to wake up refreshed. I get an extra hour in the day. I don't give a fuck. I I could be one of those people that lives in Alaska where it's dark for like six months more. out of the year. Me too. Like, I like the sun though. <laughs> I, people bitch about daylight savings i'm like oh my god the sun sets at five o'clock i don't give a shit i woke up refreshed this morning spring (laughs) forward that pisses me off that's the worst i'm like i want to murder everyone (laughs) they're like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be daylight longer i'm like i don't care you can keep your daylight you can keep your sunshine I will still, I still baked banana bread this morning in the dark. It was wonderful. (laughs) I didn't give a shit. I woke up. I was like, I felt like a princess when I was like, oh my God, what time is it? It's only (laughs) 6 a.m. Oh my God. I feel like I've slept all day. (laughs) It's amazing. Peyton tried to use it as an excuse excuse he got up late today mm-hmm. and he was like it's daylight savings i was like that, <laughs> no you should have been up earlier no you dumbass and your phone <laughs> corrects itself you have an iphone yep. just accept your mistake and move on <laughs> he got you on that one that's pretty good you got him <laughs> i see what he was doing and it didn't work it did not work <laughs> good try buddy good try <laughs> um this past weekend i went to a renaissance festival and it was so much fun because it was the one I went to when we started. The last time I went was when we started the podcast in 2018. Jesus. It was the 5th of November, which remember, it was this past weekend. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Yep. It was Guy Fox Day. Um, but it also the day we launched the podcast. So it's insane to me that it's been since 2018 we've been doing this shit. Wow. It's a lot of, I know it was like when I thought about it, I was like, oh my God. Like it kind of hit me. I was like, it it was a lot. So felt like a whole different world back then in old 2018, back in the day. It does. But um, the Renaissance Festival was so fun though, because they didn't do it in 2020. And then we didn't get a chance to go last year. So, and we didn't go in 2019, obviously. But so it was just really fun. I met with my cousins, like my two favorite cousins in the world that I haven't seen in forever. Um, well, when I saw it Halloween, but one I haven't seen in forever. And so this was like a cool little meeting spot for us to just hang out. And it's funny. We have a picture of the three of us together. And the three of us grew up together, too. We're all like a year apart. And so seeing us as adults, it was funny in the picture because I was like, we're all shaped exactly the same way. I was like, it was just like copy and paste, you know, but my cousin, my one of my younger cousins, she was like, 
well, your boobs are bigger. And I was like, well, your butt's bigger. And the other one was like, my hair's bigger. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cute. I know. And it just like, it was so fun to be around them, especially with our kids, because it just reminded me of when we grew up, you know, and like our summers we spent together, we spent whole summers together, you know, like weeks I would spend with my cousins because like, our moms were all really close, you know. It was so different how we grew up compared to the way our kids grow up. Yeah. It's so different. I yeah. feel like it's night and day almost. Mm-hmm. I feel like mine are constantly like doing stuff and involved in things and stuff. And, you know, to, there's good and there's pros and cons with both of these because I know a lot of my childhood was kind of like we were just sort of left to it. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's beauty in that, you know, that we got to sort of do it on our own and have a lot of fun. We were a little bit feral though at times, you know, and it was just like, fend for yourself kind yeah. of thing. So, you know, there, there's good parts and, and not so great parts about it. You know, it's probably, I probably started drinking a little sooner than I should have, you know, because I was kind of left to my own devices at that point. But, you know, again, those are some really fun memories I have with my cousins. Yeah. Like playing cards and sneaking beer and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. I don't think these kids drink nowadays. It seems like they get high. Oh, it's just, honestly, it's less of a hangover. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, they're not wrong. You're not not hurting your body as much. (laughs) Like it's smarter. It's a smarter way to get fucked up, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, there's that. (laughs) You know, but is it, well, actually, so we were talking about, I don't vaping got brought up or something oh because i said um when we went to vegas mm-hmm. i did we got gummies and mm-hmm. we, got a, we got a vape and she was like oh you smoked i was like i literally took one hit and almost died <laughs> and she goes that's mm-hmm. me too she's like i tried it one time and no i can't i can't do this inhale in the smoke and i'm like me neither i'm like cough 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 yeah. and she's like and i just think it's so unattractive She's like, have you ever like seen an attractive person holding a vape? I was like, no, but how come it's kind of hot when they're holding a cigarette? What yeah, is- for sure. For a yeah. vape, it's like, that's not hot. Yeah. But a cigarette sometimes mm-hmm. is hot. Every now and then, it's sexy. Every yeah. now and then. It doesn't smell mm-hmm. good, but every now and then in a picture, yeah, it looks hot. sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I could never picture somebody looking sexy holding a vape pen like token on a big chunk yeah. of plastic <laughs> like i was like i can't even yeah. think because i see covers where sometimes they'll have a cigarette behind their ear mm-hmm. they are yeah. smoking in a suit yeah. and it's like this oh you're not supposed to do that kind mm-hmm. of thing but you could not do that with a vape dirty <laughs> yeah yeah that's true I'm i don't so- know but no you're yeah. right it's it's a weird thing you know i was just thinking about wasn't there an author who okay you're gonna have this is gonna go back for a minute there was an author who had a husband no i know what you're gonna say okay and don't it, i it won't say the names it was an author it was it an happened. author and her, it, i thought it, the no. husband was an author no yes okay the husband was an author that was there with his wife so it's public he talked about it okay. scott hildreth he, i haven't he hasn't wrote him forever actually oh my god i totally forgot his name um he was coming back from a book signing. I think we were at the book signing. Okay. And he okay. was at the book signing too. Yeah, I feel so like long I ago. And I think he says his vape pen 
so his it was pocket like, caught like on fire. It blew up or something, right? In his pocket? Yeah. Okay. But I think he claimed it wasn't his vape pen, but it had to have been his vape pen. You yeah. Blow it was up. like something like blew up in his in his pants leg and he got like really bad burn this or something. Was like, and... Yeah. The very beginning of vape pens. Yeah. Very when beginning people of made traveling. like big boxes and stuff. Yeah. Very beginning of traveling with them and it mm-hmm. like exploded in his mm-hmm. pants or something on, in the airport. Oh my god! I Would can't they like tackle you? Could you? I can't believe I remember this. <laughs> well, they, somebody posted the video, and it was like security came like rushing over to him because he like yeah. fell on the ground like ah! he was like at a kiosk, like shopping or something, and he like something like went pow in his pants and he just fell down. Yeah. And I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" That just totally took me back for a second. Oh my god! god I completely. I haven't seen his books in forever. It's so weird how authors just disappear. disappear. They just go away. Yeah. I'm like, it's where wild. the hell? You know who I think about every now and then because I loved her covers. Mm-hmm. Dawn Robertson. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Wow, that is an old one. She hasn't been around for a long time, but I feel like she posted something about she wasn't writing because she was getting a divorce, and so I think it's like whenever. Okay, so let's say you're married and then you start writing and you become successful. If you go through a divorce, then all of a sudden the money that you've earned during the marriage becomes communal property in some states. So whatever she's earning on those books has to be divided with her husband. So she stopped writing so that he wouldn't get any more of her royalties. Well, yeah, well, technically. That's why she said she did it. I remember she made like a It's kind of stupid it. because let's say me and my husband were decided we're going to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. I would go down and file immediately separation. Mm-hmm. So anything from this day forward. He does not have say to. Yeah. Once you file a separation. But everything you write could possibly make your other books money. So it was like. You're going to have to pay. It's just the way the world is. I know. It's just. Unless you are like we are. But that's Mm -hmm. only because me and you are in a corporation or an LLC together. So there are loopholes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how actually these big rich white men keep control of their companies when their wives leaves them because there are these little loopholes that our lawyers explained Piece to us shit. when we went into <laughs> yeah i mean it protects us technically but yeah. there's sneaky little clauses when you turn something into a corporation with somebody else to keep yeah. spouses out but it makes sense because if you mm-hmm. wanted to get divorced your husband can't come and destroy our company yeah. You know, take yeah. it. <laughs> but I mean, she didn't, I don't think she had any other way of protecting herself. So she just stopped writing, which I mean, granted it, it could have been a lot of things like mentally what she was going through at the time just could have impeded her from writing. I mean, that was an assumption, but a lot of it, I, I'm pretty sure she posted up about it. That was why she stopped doing it. But yeah. I haven't, you know, haven't seen I've her seen around. I've seen a couple that have stopped writing because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, what do you, I gotta do something. I don't know. You know I feel. I want to say I remember Abby Glans going through that at one point when she was getting a divorce. That something about that happened with her books. Like it was like a hot minute where either she didn't write or there was like some negotiations or something like that. I remember her posting up yeah. something about that. Oh, it's been a few years back during her divorce. Yeah, but 
I don't want to think about what that would be like. Oh my God. It would be so messy. It would be harder for you and me to break up than it would for me and my husband to break up. Let me just say that. <laughs> so we got to stick together. <laughs> um, oh, I have on here, I saw a movie on Saturday. So I did the Renaissance Fair and stuff on Saturday. And on Sunday, I went with a friend to a movie because I was like, let's just, you know, spend some time together. Let's do something fun. And neither of us had been to the movies in forever. And so we went and saw, it's the Julia Roberts and George Clooney movie. And it's called Ticket to Paradise. I think that's the previous for Okay. So I really didn't know anything going in. And it was so fucking cute. It is about their parents or their mom and dad. They're divorced, though. They've been divorced for like 15 years. But, oh, God, no. They've been divorced for like 20 years. Um, Their daughter just graduated from college, and they're going to the graduation together. And they hate each other. It's like sworn enemies. And the daughter goes to Bali like she's going to celebrate. She graduated from law school and then she's got this great job lined up. She's going to go to Bali on vacation with her best friend. And then she's going to come back and start her job while she's in Bali. She meets a guy there, falls in love, decides to move there, marry him. And like it all within like 30 days, she's mm-hmm. marrying this guy. She's living here. She's giving up on her career and everything she's just done. So her parents, Julie Rogers and George Clooney, decide to be, they decide to put aside their differences and go to Bali and convince her to, they're going to break up this wedding. Mm -hmm. So that's what their common goal is, is to break this wedding up. And if, you know, if you're a romance fanatic at all, this is like. My mind is already spinning with things. I'm just like. so good because it's like love at first. It's insta love. It's um it's like fish out of water it's you know enemies to lovers it's second chance romance like it's all of these tropes it is and it's all of them just thrown in together and it's so good and there's like julia roberts has a boyfriend and i loved this about the movie because george clooney basically stayed single the whole time and she has Julia Roberts has a boyfriend who's like much, much younger than her. And he's French and he's like obsessed with her. And she's like, okay, that's enough. And like, he doesn't, he agrees with everything she says. He's like, you're right. You're always right. You're perfect. And she's like, no, I'm not. He's like, yes, you are. You're so perfect. And she's like, I'm, I don't think he's like, oh, you know, like, whatever you say, you know, it's like, whatever she I'm thinks already annoyed like, with him. I'm like, oh my God. Easy. So I know. I know that's what she was like. She's like, he's perfect and he's wonderful and I hate him, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But <laughs> it's like, you know, she doesn't say that specifically, but I won't like spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Or maybe I'll just spoil it a little bit and just like say, I don't know. I'll tell you after it. I'll tell you afterwards what happens. But it ended up being so fucking cute. And I, I really had low expectations going in. I was like, oh, this will be like a cute rom-com. And when it was over, it was like, this was so good. I love and it was oh it was wonderful and i love the two of them together like they're so cute you know they to banter very well together yeah they like bounce off of each other so well and at the end of it there were like bloopers from the scenes they shared and stuff and like them talking to each other like you know like mouthing off and stuff and it was it was really cute so we had a lot of fun with that i just but, love um, george Clooney. he stayed solid yeah he's timeless. like he just, I mean, like in his, there's nothing crazy that's come out about him. Mm-hmm. And actually, I he dated a real housewife, Carol Rasrall. 
Yeah. She was like married to one of the Kennedys, actually. Oh, shit. And she talked about, she's like, I dated him so long ago. And she was like, he was actually one of the first people to read my book and gave me tips. I was like, God, that would have been like, even all those 30 years ago, he was being like super supportive of a woman reading her book, being like, this is great. You should release this. It was yeah. her first book. And it hit New York Times. And, oh, wow. And she was like, oh, he was such a nice guy. And he pushed me to publish and stuff like that. And I was like, the only thing I've ever heard about George Clooney is that he was very Christian Gray-ish. Was like, he was like really into like that sort of lifestyle. And that was why he was single for so long because he couldn't find someone that was like his Anna or whatever, you know, like his perfect person. I wondered mm -hmm. about that. His wife is so like, when he talks about her, he, she's very pretty, but he fawns mm -hmm. over her brain. Yeah. I love when they say her name and they're like, um, oh yeah. And her husband's George Clooney. It's like, he's like, that's an afterthought. And I love that. It's like, she's not his wife. It's like, oh no, that's her husband somewhere over there. She's but, a yeah. huge human rights lawyer. Yeah. She's awesome. So, um, I wanted to mention too, before we get God too deep. Now I'm thinking about them doing all kinds of dirty <laughs> Right now, you got it in your head, you'll never God get it out. Damn it. I, I remember hearing like he was in like BDSM and stuff, and I was like, shit, what if that's true? And like that was why he never like committed to anyone because it was like he didn't want to, you know, he couldn't find the perfect person to give him that info he and love. He seemed to fall for her, man. And of mm -hmm. course, they get pregnant with fucking twins. Twins? God, they're like a, bro <laughs> a they're like a little. I don't know, like a perfect little romance mm -hmm. or something. No. I don't know. BDSM romance, maybe. She's so <laughs> smart yeah. and worldly and he's so famous and everybody's in love with him. And then he I know. her and he's just like fucking done for. You know, like I, he's one of the people I would love to like meet in person. So they filmed the movie Leatherheads in Greenville, South Carolina. That was the one with like John Krasinski. It was like a football movie like back in the day. But um, I remember um, they were filming downtown like where I worked. And then one day uh, he was out there and he, they like had a big ceremony where he came and like thanked the city. And this is when he had his pet pig still. And his pet pig was with him and like walking around and stuff. And it was so cute. And, um, but he was like so nice. That's I mean, right. of course he is, but I you, you never know. Yeah, I don't know. It could be made up in my head, but I mean, yeah, imagine yeah. him being very personable. Like yeah, you could sit yeah. down and mm -hmm. have a conversation with him, like a yeah. normal back and forth. It wouldn't be awkward or mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just because mm -hmm. I've read or seen him in so many movies. You feel like you know yeah, him. Yeah, you feel like you know him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, before we get too deep into this, I want to talk about Lucy Eden in just a minute. But I did want to mention real quick, um, if you haven't, we have a new Christmas book that's out. It's Brother's Best Enemy. And the uh, it's going to be a series. There's four books in the series. One of the books um, is actually, there's a, a book we wrote for the podcast. So I guess it's technically five. So one we wrote for the podcast is going to be on in December. So make sure you check that out and you'll get like a little introduction to the book that's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. All of them are standalones. Yes. So you can jump in at any time. 
Also, we have paperback books on the website, um, signed paperbacks at alexarelli.com. We have them in um, sets of threes just because it's easier to manage, like shipping those out and orders and all that stuff. And we have them together. So um, we have a new set that's going to be up soon. And it's going to be um, princesses. And then there's a winter wonderland paperback. That's right. That's got yes. three of our why am i like my brain is just so slow right now it's got three christmas books in it three alexa rally christmas books bundled into one and then there's a new one well the winter wonderland has it's a new paperback but it's all our older christmas books but when what's the other one the other the royalty book oh that's right okay so that that's the indoor royalty so we haven't oh, had the that whole series yeah this is brand new to paperback too so we'll have that trilogy up on the website so you'll be able to get that set of three and then there's a nut there's two other sets of threes that'll still be up on the website if you want to purchase those at any time so just fy um the first couple of weeks uh we will have those for sale individually so if you just want one of those you can grab it um, but then once, uh, we put up a new set of three, we take down the individual ones and you can only get them in a trilogy. So just FYI. Um, I think that was it as far as the paperbacks. I just wanted to mention those. Now let's talk about Lucy Eden. So I've got all her stuff and I love her covers. Me too. If you go to her Amazon page, everything is just like beautiful. It's all like cohesive and it, it seems like everything just goes together and she's got every single thing you could think of. She does have a wide range of books. I noticed yeah. when I was going through them all. It's like uh, one of them is like an angel for daddy. Like, are you kidding me? Like in the cover is so freaking sweet. Everything's better with Lisa. Everything's better with Kimberly. A blonde date with a book boyfriend short. Like, I'm just going through her Amazon page, and it's just like everything. Bear with me. It's a shifter escape book one. Like, bear with me. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. I love it. But she writes, like, the, the sweetest stuff. I love it. So the book we have for you today is called One Scott Deal. And, again, like, this cover is so pretty, and it goes with all of her other ones, too. But I'll read you Lucy Eden's um, author bio. Lucy Eden is the nom de plume of a romance-obsessed author who writes the kind of romances she loves to read. She's a sucker for alphas with a soft, gooey center, over-the-top romantic gestures, strong and smart main characters, humor, love at first sight, or pretty damn close, happily ever after, and of course, dirty and steamy love scenes. When Lucy isn't writing, she's busy reading or listening to every book she can get her hands on, romance or otherwise. She lives and loves in New York with her husband, two children, a turtle, and a Yorkshire Terrier. Find her at LucyEden.com. That's L-U-C-Y-E-D-E-N. So I just love that. And I love that she says um, she lives and loves in New York. I think that's so cute. <laughs> and all of her books are in KU as well. Yes. Um, I had it to mention that too. She's got like. She's got a ton, so you're going to She's got a new this. Christmas book that just came out, yes. I noticed. So. Mm -hmm. so if you love what you're listening to today, you're going to love everything she's got. I'll read you the book by now for one Scott deal. Ex-Navy SEAL turned private mercenary Sam Tyler is a man on a mission, a mission to get as far away from New York as his and his tragic family history as he can. A new gig with a private security firm is exactly what he needs. 
but there's one obstacle his military training couldn't prepare him for. A spoiled, smart mouth, and incredibly sexy starlet named Ella Scott. Quadruple threat, Ella Scott was born to be an entertainer. Seriously, she booked her first acting job before she could crawl. But after nearly four decades, dodging every curveball the industry and her mother could throw at her, there was one thing threatening to bring her carefully curated world crashing down around her. And no, it's not the unhinged stalker that wants her dead. It's Sam Tyler, the overbearing, inflexible, and ridiculously attractive wall of muscle the studio sent to protect her. When an imminent threat forces Sam and Ella into hiding, will they find the courage to defeat their most dangerous enemies, the ghosts of their past? They should probably do something about the stalker, too. One Scott deal is funny, dramatic, and steamy, short, full of bodyguarding, obsessed, opposites attract, enemies to lovers, forced proximity, and steam. This is All like amazing. All of this. Every single thing she just described, I'm like, yes, check. I feel like yes, she wrote check. a book for us. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? When she sent the book by, I was like, home run. <laughs> like, 10 out of 10. This is amazing. I love it. So it's so funny, too, because like as I was reading this, I was kind of like picturing. I don't know if it's because the bodyguard just had their like 30th anniversary or whatever. Like the movie, you know, mm-hmm. with Wendy Houston, it, they just had their 30th anniversary. They were showing it at the movie theater when I was there on Sunday. And I was like, oh, my God, that's insane. So I don't know why that's why my mind immediately went to that when I was reading this. But I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. So like Mel said, um, all of her books are in KU. Um, if you love listening to One Scott Deal, the ebook will be available on Amazon and in KU uh, today on the 15th. Um, all of her books take place in the same universe, so fans of One Scott Deal will love Bear With Me, their first book in her Shifter Escape series. Audiobook lovers can check out her audiobook Cherishing the Goddess and Blind Date with a Book Boyfriend. Um, and Everything Better with Abby, the first book in her Everything's Better series, is free, um, I believe, uh, today. So make sure you check that out. We'll put all the links in the show notes for this. And then um, her giveaway this week is Everything's Better series, um, a signed copy of those um, with bonus love notes from Piranha's uh, summer box. It's like a swag box. Um, she sent a picture of it and I was like, okay, I would like to enter this as well. <laughs> so that's awesome. So make sure you check everything out. And like I said, it'll all be down in the show notes and you can go to readmeromance.com and everything will be right there on the homepage as soon as you, as soon as you go on to it, just click right there. So let's send them in. Okay, let's do it. We'll see you guys on the other side. This is One Scott Deal by Lucy Eden. Read for you by Mackenzie Cartwright. Trigger warning. This story includes some situations or references that may be triggering. This includes PTSD, being held at knife point, drug overdoses, child abuse, abusive parents, queer phobia, physical violence, gun violence, murder, and suicide. Please take care while listening. 1. Sam If this is such a good gig, why didn't you take it? I asked Michaels as I refused a third server offering me a tray of hors d'oeuvres that was even more pretentious than the other two offerings. 
Believe me, Tyler, I would have killed for this job, but the director wanted you. His expression soured momentarily. I wondered how much truth was in his words. After leaving the military, I'd been doing odd jobs for different agencies, whatever felt dangerous or exciting. Out of the blue, one of my old Navy SEAL buddies got me a hookup with the Sutherland Group, one of the oldest and most clandestine private military groups in the world. Though I was clear with Director Wright that I was only interested in working overseas and not interested in staying in one spot for too long. I was standing in an overcrowded penthouse apartment in Manhattan, wearing a tuxedo, and watching a party full of people with more money than sense gorge themselves on overpriced champagne and mindless gossip. So who is this chick? I whispered to Michaels as I scanned the room again. Why is she such a big deal? Seriously, dude? He scoffed and jerked his head at me. Did Wright tell you who the client was? No, I retorted. He said to show up here in a tuxedo and that you would brief me. How that lazy prick got to be director of anything is a fucking mystery. Michaels shook his head. The client is Ella Scott. Ella Scott? Why does that name sound familiar? How long have you been in the desert, man? He laughed. Ella Scott is one of the biggest stars in the world. She's mostly a pop star, but lately she's been pivoting to movies. She's had a couple of box office hits, and she hasn't made an album in a few years, but her... Are you the president of her fan club? I furrowed my brow at him and chuckled. No, I'm a participating member of society. You'd learn something if you did anything except work and hide in that villain's lair of a house. Okay, so where is this Ella Scott? I asked impatiently. I was eager to change the subject from my personal life. Well, she's got to be around here somewhere. It's her house, he shrugged. So, you good? These bullshit industry parties aren't really my scene. I nodded and watched Michaels head towards the exit, expertly weaving his way through the crowd. These parties weren't really my scene either, and I still hadn't decided whether or not I would take this gig. I couldn't be sure that Wright would keep his word to put me in the field, and babysitting pop stars wasn't the way I wanted to spend my time. I pulled my phone out of my pocket, opened my browser, and typed in the name Ella Scott. My screen was flooded with images of a perfectly styled, photoshopped, and airbrushed woman with hair of varying lengths and colors posing in elaborate costumes. I scrolled past the images until one made me stop. Her hair was pulled back and her makeup was minimal. I'd seen plenty of beautiful women. That wasn't what made me stop. It was her eyes. They were large and deep brown with flecks of gold, limbed by thick, dark lashes. Her gaze seemed to pierce my soul. I was momentarily distracted by Ella Scott's photo and looked up in time to see a server backing up with a tray of canapes, but too late to stop him from crashing into me. I managed to catch the crystal bowl full of dip that flew into the air before it hit ground without spilling any. While the server managed to hold on to the tray, the canapes went airborne and a few landed on my shirt. Holy shit, awesome reflexes, man, the server said as I handed him the bowl. Are you like a ninja or something? Or something, I muttered as I shoved my phone in my pocket and began to wipe the smeared spread off of my shirt. Oh, I'm sorry, man, he said when he noticed my shirt. Do you want me to get something for that? I wasn't looking where I was going. I feel like an asshole. 
I can't get fired from this job. I'm so, hey, don't worry about it. I patted him on the shoulder in an effort to prevent him causing a scene. A few heads were already beginning to turn, and I still haven't made contact with the client or her handlers. Could you point me in the direction of the washroom? Yeah, sure, he said, relief flooding his face. It's down the hall, third door on the left. I nodded and made my way out of the crowded room. The hallway was deserted, and the music and chatter of the party became a distant buzzing by the time I found the third door and turned the handle. I found myself in a large, dimly lit room that definitely wasn't a washroom. It was obviously a closet. The closet was the size of a large studio apartment, but still not what I needed. The fact that the intel from a cater waiter who couldn't walk in a straight line would be bad shouldn't have been surprising. I prepared to back out of the room when a noise stopped me. It was a faint keening sound. At first, I thought it was a wounded animal, but intermittent sniffling sounds told me it was a person crying. It was a woman crying. Hello, I called into the room. Is everything all right? The crying abruptly stopped. Who's there? A clearly annoyed but oddly melodic female voice called to me from the recesses of the closet. I'm Sam. Sam Tyler. I was looking for the washroom and got lost. I stammered and didn't know why my heart was suddenly pounding. The owner of the voice stepped out from behind a rack of evening gowns and glared at me with her hands on her hips. She was more beautiful in person than any photo on the internet could have portrayed. Her fists were perched on her hips in a white floor-length gown with a slit so high up her leg, I knew there was no way she was wearing underwear underneath. I blinked, trying to push every unprofessional thought out of my mind and forced myself to focus on her face, which didn't help matters. Her full pouty lips were pursed in annoyance and were painted a deep red. Her dark brown eyes were rimmed with black makeup, making her irises almost glow. The remnants of the tears I'd interrupted reflected the lights of the spotlights in the closet. Well, Sam Tyler, she hissed, whether or not everything is all right is none of your business. But the real reason you're sneaking around my fucking closet is my business. Two. Ella. Sneaking? The handsome but suspicious stranger standing in my closet had the nerve to look offended after having been caught lurking around my house. I wasn't sneaking anywhere. Like I said, I was looking for the washroom and ended up here instead. I was leaving when I heard you crying. He must have paused in reaction to my sudden change in expression. I was under the impression that I had been crying quietly. Despite being able to drum up a silent tear on demand for the camera, when I cried in real life, I sounded like someone was torturing a manatee playing the trumpet. Are you all right? In addition to being good-looking, he also seemed sincere. But I'd been in this business too long to buy a word of this act. Look, great value James Bond. I wiped my eyes with the back of fingers in an effort to remove any dark smudges and replaced my hands on my hips. I don't know what news outlet you're from, but based on that expensive tuxedo, it's one of the big ones, so I would have expected them to send someone who could at least come up with a better story. I guess not everyone can be good-looking and smart. 
He didn't have any reaction to my words other than an almost imperceptible eyebrow quirk, and for some reason, his lack of response pissed me off, so I kept going. And I wasn't crying, so if I see one word about this in the press, I'll fucking sue you so bad that you'll be buying your next suit from the back of a van on Canal Street. Now, tell me who you really are before I call security. The world's worst and possibly sexiest investigative journalist didn't respond. He simply stood a few feet away from me in the closet, surveying me like some kind of rare curiosity. I'd filmed sex scenes in front of massive film crews and graced the cover of Sports Illustrated wearing a painted-on bikini, but for some reason I'd never felt as exposed as I did standing in front of this stranger. I was about to demand an answer from him when my assistant, Joe, burst into the closet. Jesus Christ, Elle, there you are. I've been looking everywhere for you. Were you in here the whole time because I was in here a few minutes ago and I didn't see you? They were holding a tablet and looking so frazzled that they hadn't even noticed the tall, tuxedo-clad, marble statue come to life standing behind them. I wasn't going to tell Joe that the reason they didn't see me when they were looking earlier was because I was hiding behind a rack of evening gowns. Instead, I shifted my eyes to my unwanted guest and pursed my lips. Joe looked over their shoulder and startled, but their reaction quickly turned to recognition, which confused the hell out of me. Oh, they exclaimed. You've met. Excuse me? I spluttered. This is the new security expert from the Sutherland Group. My intruder stepped forward, wearing a smug smirk, and extended his hand. Sam, he reintroduced himself unnecessarily and engulfed my small hand in his large one, making my breath catch in my throat and my belly tighten. His grip was firm but gentle, making my mind briefly wonder what else he could do with those hands. At this distance... I was close enough to smell his intoxicating cologne. Whatever it was was expensive, but it was so faint that I had to fight the physical urge to lean in closer to him to continue inhaling it. Sam Tyler, he repeated. It's a pleasure to meet you, Miss Scott. No, I gritted through my teeth at my soon-to-be ex-assistant. We were standing in my study, surrounded by the rest of my team. Until a minute ago, they'd all been standing in my living room attending a birthday party that I didn't want to throw or attend, so it was easy to call an emergency meeting. Now, Ella, be reasonable, Leo, my agent, interjected. Hell no, I shot back, turning my anger on him. How's that for reasonable? I chanced a glance at the reason I was shouting in my home, wearing a bespoke Versace gown on my 37th birthday. He was casually running a finger over the titles on one of my bookshelves, sometimes stopping to pull a volume off the shelf, leafing through it before replacing it. We were involved in a crucial conversation that would definitely impact his future, and he was treating my home like his own personal Barnes & Noble. My attention was drawn back to Joe when they began to speak again. We hired him in light of the, they dropped their voice, threats. The word threats made the smug smirk momentarily fade from nosy 007's face. He turned to pay attention to conversation while holding an old and priceless copy of Wuthering Heights. I narrowed my eyes and focused on Joe. He's highly decorated, ex-military, tons of international security experience. Are you kidding me? 
I screeched and marched over to the highly decorated military expert in question. This guy? I snatched the book out of his hands and replaced it on the shelf. A sloppy eater? I pointed to the stains on his shirt. Who can't find a bathroom? This is who I'm supposed to trust with my life. I snuck a glance at Sam, hoping to see some indication of shock or hurt, but his face was expressionless. I was busy trying to think of another retort, though I was pretty sure I'd spent my entire arsenal of insults, when Joe wrapped a hand around my forearm and dragged me into the hallway. Joe, what the hell are... I stammered when they cut me off mid-sentence. Stop it, Ella, stop it. Cut the shit. Their eyes were full of barely contained rage, and I was struck silent. You are in real danger. Not only from whatever deranged asshole wants you dead. The word dead made my heart stop momentarily. But you're in danger with the studio. The Silver Raven is a billion-dollar franchise. Billion. Sam Tyler doesn't work for you. He works for the studio. If they think you're doing anything to jeopardize the rest of the movies, they will replace you. Let's face it, the movie offers aren't flooding in. You've delayed your next album for the third time. You haven't toured in years. The Silver Raven keeps the lights on. Unless you and your ego would like to be sitting in the dark, you're going to suck it up and let Mr. Tyler do his job. That was brutal, Joe, I said quietly, and gave them a sarcastic wounded puppy dog look. Their angry facade broke, and they let out a laugh. I'm your best friend. I love you, and you pay me to always tell you the truth. Joe and I had been peas in a pod since we fought over the same stuffed dog in preschool and had to share a timeout chair. Over the years, through every change in our lives, large or small, they were always the one person I could count on. Okay, I let out a deep sigh. I guess I needed that. You did, they agreed. So why are you so opposed to working with this guy? You've only known him for five minutes. I couldn't answer them because I didn't have an answer. Sam Tyler confused me and excited me in a way I couldn't describe. Within a split second of meeting him, I knew that he could see right through me, and he wasn't a person that I could charm or control. That was the most terrifying thing of all. Three. Sam. I knew when she marched over to me and snatched Wuthering Heights out of my hands that I would take the job. I knew from the inscription that it was one of her prized possessions. I also noticed the way our fingertips brushed when she slid the book out of my hand and the way she leaned into me and inhaled when she replaced it on the shelf. That wasn't the only thing that convinced me. There was more than met the eye with Ella Scott. Underneath that take-charge, powerful facade was a woman in danger who had no idea how fucked up this world was. Ella Scott was a reminder of why I don't get attached to people. Three months in, the job found me regretting my decision at least once a day. Ella Scott's security was a joke. In my first three weeks, I fired her entire team and filled it with my own guys. Michaels was away on assignment in Tehran, and I would have gladly traded places with him instead of spending countless hours shopping for shoes. No less than 25 people had access to her penthouse. It's easier to give everyone an access code. Have you seen how huge this place is? 
Am I supposed to run to open the door every time someone comes over? It took six weeks to convince her to give up her unsecured phone. No one wants to hack my phone. If anyone wants to see my nudes, they can Google my Playboy spread. My tits were a lot better 15 years ago anyway. Though I didn't agree with her sentiment, accessing nudes is one of the milder dangers of a phone hack. She threw a fit every time she couldn't treat me like one of her minions. Isn't the whole reason you're here to keep me safe? Dehydration is a serious condition. I think fetching me a room-temperature mineral water in an aluminum cup with a pinch of Himalayan salt and a fresh lime wedge would be part of your job description. The amount of times I thought about quitting was nothing compared to amount of times she tried to fire me. Too bad she wasn't signing my checks and her threats, unlike the ones I was protecting her from, were harmless. They started a year ago with untraceable fan letters that got increasingly violent. Then the penthouse break-ins began, always when she was away filming or touring. The Sutherland group got involved four months ago after an incident following an appearance on The Tonight Show. Ella was handed a large bouquet of roses by a stranger who managed to surpass the studio's security and evade all cameras. When she leaned down to smell the flowers, she was pricked by a spring-loaded needle. After being rushed to the hospital and finding that there was nothing toxic on the needle, her team found a card that read, Next time it will poison, bitch. Ella dismissed it as a fluke. Crazy fans are part of this business. I wasn't so sure about that. I wasn't sure that Ella understood the full scope of the danger she was in. Are you going to stand there staring at me all night, or are you going to eat something? She glared at me over a large bowl of fruit salad, wearing a tank top that was a little too tight and shorts that were a little too short. Do you eat or do you go into your room at night and plug yourself in to charge when I go to bed? She wasn't far off. I'd been assigned a small bedroom next to hers. My evenings were usually spent poring over the evidence trying to track down the threats on her life, and fighting the urge to jack off to the sound of her moaning while she used her vibrator at night. It was a fight I usually lost, and I was almost 100% sure she knew that she was torturing me, like she was doing in those tiny-ass pajamas. I eat, ma'am, I replied, not moving from my post at the kitchen door. Oh, really? She dropped her voice an octave and leaned forward, putting her ample breasts on full display. She took a strawberry from the bowl and rubbed it across her bottom lip. What sort of things does Sam Tyler like to eat? Ella Scott was hot as fuck, and I would have loved nothing more than to lift her onto that counter, rip those little shorts at the seams, and show her exactly what I like to eat. But she was a client, and I'm a professional. Plus, I wasn't sure that all of this flirty behavior wasn't another scheme to get me fired. Food, ma'am. I replied. That wasn't the response she was hoping for because she narrowed her eyes at me, snatched the bowl off of the counter, and exited the kitchen. I'm going to bed, she announced in an annoyed tone. My eyes followed her down the long corridor until I heard the door to her bedroom click shut. I began my nightly patrol around the penthouse, checking every point of entry, and noticed the door to the service elevator wasn't flush with the doorframe. I tugged on the handle to make sure it was locked. Then I opened it 
and felt around the door panel in an attempt to discover what could be preventing the door from closing properly. It was an old building, and there had been a TV crew filming an interview earlier. Someone could have bumped or nudged the door accidentally, throwing it out of whack. But to be sure, I checked the security camera and found nothing out of the ordinary. I secured the door and added an extra lock before I went to my room, feeling uneasy. I sat down at my desk to examine the letters for the fiftieth time, hoping to find something new when a low buzzing sound pierced the silence of my bedroom. I gritted my teeth and tried to shift my focus back to my work when the buzzing was accompanied by faint moaning punctuated by a word, Sam. My dick stood at attention and my heart pounded. I was sure my mind was playing tricks on me after months of frustration when she said it again. My name. Loud, clear, and unmistakable. I wasn't getting shit done tonight. I closed my laptop and crept closer to the wall. Fuck me, Sam. My dick was so hard that I couldn't waste time unzipping. I gripped my erection through my pants and squeezed, giving myself short, tight strokes as I imagined feeding my dick into that pretty little smart mouth of hers. I was a few strokes away from exploding when I heard a faint noise that didn't come from Ella's room. She must not have heard because her moaning never ceased, but my brain had already shifted. Four. Ella. Sam Tyler. Sam fucking Tyler. That man had made the last 97 days of my life a living hell. Now, he was ruining my nights. He swooped in out of nowhere and completely turned my life upside down, disrupting the carefully curated routines that kept me sane in this hellscape of a business that I never chose, but was all I knew. He cut my household staff in half, limited my access to the internet, and refused to let me leave my home without looming over me like an ever-present gargoyle. I tried my best to get him fired, but Joe was right. As long as Sam Tyler kept some deranged psycho from decapitating me, I was stuck with him. My next strategy was trying to get him to quit. But no matter how demanding I was, no matter how much I complained, and no matter how many high-end couture shops I dragged him to, he never complained. The most frustrating thing was that I felt better when Sam was around, and I hated feeling confused and out of control. I'd never confided this to anyone on my team, not even Joe, but the attack after The Tonight Show rattled me. I spent hours sitting in my private hospital suite surrounded by doctors, nurses, lawyers, and agents, feeling more alone than I'd ever had in my life. I was almost 40. I'd never had a relationship that wasn't scripted, last for more than a year. No children. Though with my grueling schedule, I couldn't keep a houseplant alive. When all the test results were returned, I couldn't share in the collective relief. As I left the hospital, I passed a family in the waiting room. An elderly man sat in the middle of what I presumed to be his adult children and grandchildren. He was hunched over, clutching a bright scarf. He perked up every time a member of the hospital staff walked by, possibly hoping for news about the owner of the scarf he was cherishing. I found myself transfixed, wondering what it would feel like to love someone that much, or to be loved that much, until I was recognized and had to be whisked away.
I couldn't stop thinking that if I'd died that night, who would mourn me besides Joe? The studio would find a new Silver Raven. My fans would move on to the next pop star shaking her ass to overproduced, underwritten club beats. I also couldn't fathom that someone would actually hate me enough to want to hurt me. The weeks following the attacks felt like I was slowly walking through a fog, threatening to suffocate me. Crowds terrified me. I postponed my recording sessions because I couldn't focus. I made excuses not to leave the penthouse, insisting all meetings, interviews, and events be held in the only place I felt safe. Then Sam Tyler walked into my life, or my closet. Birthdays were always a sore subject for me. The more I accumulated, the more they ached. Add that to the idea of being forced into a crowded room full of people who didn't know me or care about, and I was driven over the edge. Closets had always been a safe haven for me. Over the years, the closets got bigger and more expensive, but they served the same purpose. Sam Tyler took one look at my designer gown and saw the terrified little girl hiding in a closet beneath the layers of makeup and hair extensions, and he hasn't stopped seeing me. A few weeks ago, a promotional photo shoot had gone three hours overtime, and I was exhausted. I had a reputation for always being on time and never complaining, but after 14 hours in five-inch heels and countless wardrobe changes, I was beyond exhausted. Without warning, Sam declared that set was no longer safe and whisked me out of the studio and into a waiting SUV. After chewing him out for interfering with my career, I promptly fell asleep. I woke up 45 minutes later in front of my building with my head on his shoulder and his jacket draped across my body. I'd also drooled on his shoulder. He never mentioned the events of that day, and neither did I. I wasn't naive. I know what he did for me, but I didn't know why he did it. Surely there wasn't a class on how to handle sleepy starlets in mercenary school. It definitely wasn't physical attraction. I'd resorted to throwing myself at him, hoping to lure him into a sex scandal so I could be rid of him, and my life would begin to make sense again. The stoic Sam Tyler didn't bat an eye at my skimpy outfits or overt innuendo. My plan backfired spectacularly because the more Sam denied me, the more I wanted him, and I'd resorted to extended nighttime solo sessions with my high-powered mechanical boyfriend to be able to fall asleep. In the middle of one such session, Sam burst in my bedroom. Sam, what the hell are you? I squealed and rushed to cover myself. He didn't seem to notice or care that I was naked from the waist down when he put a finger to his lips to shush me. Are you okay? He whispered. I was better until you... The serious look on his face made my words die on my lips. He moved stealthily through my bedroom, checking all the door and windows before shining a flashlight under my bed. Sam, what's wrong? What happened? Stay in this room, he said in a low, stern voice. Lock this door when I leave, and don't open it for anyone but me. If anyone but me tries to enter this room, lock yourself in the closet and call 911. Do you understand? His intense eyes drilled into me as he waited for a response that I couldn't make my mouth work to provide. Ella. It was the first time he'd called me anything but ma'am. Do you understand? My heart was pounding in my ears when I felt myself nod. 
He backed out of my room, and as soon as I heard the click of the lock, I burst into action. After locking the door, I shimmied into a pair of yoga pants, tucked my cell phone into my pocket, and searched my bedroom for a weapon. I settled on a Swarovski crystal-encrusted baseball bat, a gift from a famous baseball-playing ex, and tucked myself into my favorite corner of the closet. The time dragged on when I felt a low, vibrating motion. I thought it was my phone before I realized how my hands were shaking as I gripped the bat. The silence cut the sounds of muffled bumps and broken glass. Tears were rolling down my face when I heard what sounded like three muffled firecrackers, more broken glass, then silence. I couldn't tell if minutes or years passed when I heard footsteps approaching the closet door. Whoever was out there had gotten into my bedroom. I took a deep breath, gripped the bat, and crouched in the corner ready to put decades of yoga and Pilates glasses to good use. The lock on the door beeped, and I held my breath. An instant later, the rack full of designer frocks was pushed aside, and I sprung into action, leaping out of my corner and swinging the bat as hard as I could, a split second too late after realizing who it was. Sam expertly caught the bat with one hand and wrapped his other arm around my waist to keep me steady. Hey, 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 he whispered in a soothing tone directly into my ear. It's me. It's okay. You're safe. Upon hearing the words, you're safe, I stopped struggling. He slowly released me from his grip, but I wasn't sure I wanted to leave it. Why didn't you say anything? I squealed and hit him in the chest. I did, but you must not have heard me. He was looking through my closet for something. I was hiding where you told me, I retorted before he shoved a green wool hat onto my head. Hey, I squealed. I told you to hide in the closet, if anyone tried to get into the bedroom, he said before pulling a sweatshirt over my head and wrapping a scarf around my neck. So I was supposed to wait for the killer to try to get into my bedroom before I hid? You need to watch more ID Network. He grabbed a pair of hot pink Ugg boots and a blue wool coat before tossing me onto one shoulder and carrying me out of the bedroom. What are you doing? I shouted, barely registering that my apartment looked like someone had picked it up and shook it. I definitely noticed the large red stain on my white living room rug. Taking you someplace safe. Your apartment has been compromised. Shock and bewilderment could have been the only excuse for my response. But I can't go anywhere dressed like this. None of this matches. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So that was the first installment of One Scott Deal by Lucy Eden. And if you are dying, join us back here for Thursday's episode where we're going to play the second half and we will talk more about Lucy Eden and all her great stuff. So I think that's it. And tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.